The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Father, how great you are. May we bow before your greatness as we sing about it, as we look at it in your word. In the powerful name of Jesus, I ask this. Amen. You may be seated. And before I get started today, I wanted to give a brief explanation. Did you, did you notice the front of the auditorium looks different if you've been here before? Okay. But let, let me just uh, briefly explain here. First of all, I want to say work in progress. We're still working on some things. There's Next week, it'll be added to. By Thanksgiving, it'll be done. I feel like uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm coming home, Jesus. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure what I feel like there. But uh, some of you might remember we had, uh, what did we have? Uh, years ago. Uh, many moons ago. Now, if your great-grandfather built this or if you built this, I don't mean to offend you, but we used to have this block of speakers that came around here that was, I mean, they were like, they hung down at least, you know, two and a half feet or something like that, and they were ugly. Uh, they really were, and when I got here, I thought, you know, it was kind of ugly, but I guess we need speakers. Then I found out the speakers in there didn't work anymore, so, <laughs> so I got excited, and we took them down. I thought, we need to redesign the front here a little bit, and we painted the front this color right here, and I thought, well, we need something up there, and being the thrifty, Pinterest-minded fellow that I am, uh, I, uh, I took the, the uh, what, what are these called? Canvases, thank you, that were on the front of the speakers and painted them a bunch of different colors and put them up there. And they've been hanging there for five or six years now. And uh, I don't know if you're like this at all, but I was just getting to a place where I could not look at them another stinking day. <laughs> I just hated them. I felt like something had to change. However, if you have grown in any way personally attached to these babies, I saved them all. There's about 12 of them. And for a gift of $25, <laughs> no, I'm just, uh, but, uh, but anyway, I just, those, they're, they're going away. We've got so, some other things coming. I just want to mention that we're still working, uh, uh, progressing our way around the building. So, so stay, stay with us on that. Uh, I also did want to mention if you came in today and you saw an ambulance uh, here, uh, one of our folks, Carl uh, Sollers, had a, just an episode this morning. Uh, seems to be doing better, but uh, they took him in, I think, just to check him out. And uh, just if you're concerned, pray for him and Lana as they head down to Memorial, I believe they're heading down there, and Noreen uh, rode along with them, so keeping an eye on them there. But uh, did want to mention that in case, you know, you were like, you know, is this a strange promotion that we're having here this morning or uh, free rides or something like that. That's not what we're doing. Okay, we have been looking at 10 characteristics of God that are unique to God. Okay, there's something, so we call hands off. These are not something that uh, we're going to mess ourselves up if we desire to be like God in these ways. These are ways, things that belong only to God. It is fitting that the last one be this right here, the idea that God is sovereign. Now, if that word is unfamiliar to you at all, you kind of break it down, you see the word reign in the end. You think of uh, the one who reigns. You think of the king, the one who is large and in charge. Okay, basically, he is God. I am not. Um, this is a word that, uh, as we first look at it, sometimes we struggle with a little bit. You know, in our American government system, you know, we looked and we said, hey, uh, absolute power corrupts. Thank you. You're supposed to fill that in. Yeah, when I do this, that's your cue to talk if you've never heard that. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. 
And, uh, and when they designed the American government, they put in this system of checks and balances. Um, originally, there was no term limit on the presidency in, in the country, but George Washington, after he had two terms, uh, they said, hey, we want you to be president still. And he said, no, we don't need another King George. Uh, so he kind of started the tradition of limiting it to just two terms with that because, hey, we don't want somebody to have this too much power. That's kind of scary. So as we talk about the fact that God is sovereign, that he has this power, we need to remember the other things that we have looked at about him, that he is perfect in his power, that he is perfect in his wisdom, uh, that he is, not in, he is unchanging and he is outside of time, so he cannot be corrupted. Uh, that he is good and caring. And uh, as we go through that, I, what I have been praying, partly because this is the area that God has really been taking me as far as what he's been teaching me, but, uh, but I feel like I want to share that with you, that we learn more and more that he should be trusted. Okay, I guess I could say that he can be trusted. That's kind of obvious. But as I have gone through that, and, and some of you, if you were here last week, you remember we talked about at the end that uh, because God is uh, omnipotent, he can do what is best. Because God is all-loving, uh, he wants what is best. Because God is all-knowing, uh, he knows what is best. So we can take from that and we can trust that what he's doing in our life is best. And uh, I've, I actually have shared that for years. That's something that somebody taught me decades ago, and I was, that's something that I've held on to and I've clung to. These different characteristics of God are things that, uh, you know, there are some areas of study that I have to admit, if you ask me questions, I am going to hide somewhere. Okay, for example, Pastor, you know, do you think that someday, you know, at the, before the Lord's return, Russia and Germany are going to, I don't know. <laughs> Excuse me. I, I see somebody I need to talk to. There's a lot about prophecy and different things like that. I don't consider myself too, too skilled in as far as study. In the area of God, I had a lot of years where uh, I was teaching students the most important thing in their life was what they believe about God. So I was really just studying the theology of the things that are true about God. So as I've taught these things, this will sound really bad, but I knew that. <laughs> I, you know, I, I knew this stuff already. I knew that God is omnipotent. I knew that God is, is uh, unchanging. I, I knew all that. And I would even say this. I believed all that. I mean, it, it, the stuff I said last week about the, the idea that, uh, you know, we can trust God. Uh, you know, remember we were talking about the idea that I know he loves me. He sent his son to die on the cross for me. You know, Romans 8, 32, uh, you know, that he didn't even spare his own son. How could I ever question his love? I don't question his love. So therefore, you can conclude, because I know that God is all-powerful, because I know that he's all-loving, that I do not worry, right? I don't. Right? I haven't worked. I really wish I could tell you that. I wish I could stand here and say, hey, because I've been putting these things into practice, uh, I am sleeping like a baby. Uh, I am trusting in God more than I ever have, but, uh, but my wife's here today. And uh, if I said that, she'd say, who is that man uh, up there talking? Because actually, this is something that in the last few weeks, I have really struggled with some anxiety. Uh, I'm not the, you know, panic attack. That's something, that I, that's something I've been prone to. But I have had some sleeplessness as far as nights go, you know, where I'm up and just, you know what, it's just, where I can't, it's like I can't surrender. It's really bothering me. And I'm looking at everything I'm preaching and saying, okay, I do believe this. I know this is true. Why in the world would I still worry? And I think the Lord directed me to a conclusion in regard to that about my life that, 
Bottom line is this. I know God does what is best for me. But sometimes I don't like what he's doing. And the biggest problem I think that I still have in my life is just surrendering my will to him and saying, yes, <laughs> you're God. I'm not. Um, it's like, you know, I know I ought to go to the dentist, but I just don't want to. I know I ought to eat better, but I just don't want to. You know, the, the phrase that, that we've had at the top of the, the bulletins as we've gone through this is letting God be God. I know that sounds kind of goofy. Well, of course he's going to be God. But in my heart, many times, that's where the struggle is. And um, I, I, ju I just have a hard time surrendering to him in that way. And uh, I believe that we're going to look at a passage that you probably wouldn't expect that we would uh, focus on as we look at the sovereignty of God. And it, hopefully as you came in today, you got a copy of this. In, just in case you don't have a Bible or a device on which you could see it, I'm going to read a little bit more Scripture than usual today. And I wanted you to be able to follow along and see, uh, see this story because it really is, I believe, a story that God has powerfully used in my life, and I'm hoping I can share those things uh, with you. So we're in Luke chapter 24. If you, if you are finding that in your Bible, the third book of the New Testament, so we're getting pretty close to the back here, right at the end of Luke, the last chapter there. I'm going to begin verse, reading in verse number 19. And it says, That very day, two of them were going to the village named Emmaus. Now, I, I won't stop at every verse, but I did want to just explain a little bit who these two were. Uh, two disciples, first of all, it says that very day, this is the day of the resurrection. Okay, Jesus has risen from the grave. These two are on their way to Emmaus. Uh, they are two of Jesus' followers. There is good reason to believe that they were pretty close to Jesus. And I say that because one of their names is given in here, a, name, a guy named Cleopas, and he actually, his wife was there uh, at the crucifixion. So I think these were not like distant followers or had heard about Jesus. I think these were, uh, we won't say the inner circle, those closest to Jesus as far as the 12 goes or as far as Peter, James, and John. But they were, these guys were, they were followers. I mean, they, they were serious followers of Christ. So it says on the day, again, that, that he has risen from the, from the grave, um, they're on their way to Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. So I'm picking up here in verse number, uh, uh, can I read that number? 14, yeah going to have to up the, up the uh, magnification. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still. Um, I, I'm sorry. And they, and they stood still looking and said, uh, then, um, some, and one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? Who does not know the things that have happened there these days? And he said to them, What things? You get in the picture here. They're walking along talking about the fact that Jesus has been crucified and what's going on here. And, and uh, this stranger says, uh, What are you talking about? And like, Seriously? Seriously, you haven't heard this? You, you, you don't know what we're talking about? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and before all the people, and how our chief priests and our rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. Look at that next phrase at the beginning of 21. But we had hoped. Okay, they, they had something else in mind. I want you, I want you to remember that. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, 
is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some of the women in our company amazed us. Uh, they were at the tomb early this morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they, uh, that they had even seen a vision of angels who said to them, some of the things, uh, um, some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Okay, let me back up here. They're saying, hey, we're, we've got even more confused this morning because these women are saying now the tomb's empty. They went there. They found angels. They didn't find Jesus. And Jesus says to them, O foolish ones, you're slow to believe the things that the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures and the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is now spent. So he went to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave thanks. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he uh, talked to us um, on this road, while he opened the scriptures with us? And they rose the same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those that are gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told him what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. As we look at this story, I think we can see, and you might be right, okay, if you're, if you're thinking ahead, okay, he's talking about God's sovereignty, he's talking about how he struggles letting God be God, you know, where are we going with this story? But I think we can see in here four things that if we are going to trust him, if we are going to surrender and let him go to be God, four things that are crucial that, that we get a grasp on. And the first thing that we have to see is his priorities we have to understand what God's priorities are you know if you're doing a job and you don't understand what you're trying to accomplish you know two guys are moving furniture and it's getting heavy and they're yelling what are we doing with this where are we putting it which side do you want against the wall where does this go they got to be on the same page as what they're trying to accomplish and the other day I was being the uh, the good Samaritan in the parking lot at Menards as I'm walking in this lady is uh, uh, struggling with a box that has some shelving in it and I thought, you know, hey, <laughs> I'll run over there and help. So I my wife tells me I have to be careful about those things. She tells me I creep people out. But anyway, uh, I ran over there, and I, I helped her with a box and got it in there. And I said, there, I'm sorry I saw you struggling. She said, yeah. She said, I was taking that out. <laughs> so I uh, didn't really appreciate my ministry there. But, uh, the, you know, if, if you jump in and you don't know what direction we're going, you know, where we're headed. And I think sometimes, you know, we miss exactly, you know, where we kind of miss the memo, what God is trying to accomplish for this group they wanted Jesus to defeat Caesar and the soldiers but what he came to defeat was sin and death okay now this is a this is a common idea back then that many who followed Jesus thought hey this is going to be the revolutionary who brings us freedom from the Romans in fact, one, at least one of his disciples was known as the Zealot. He was part of a group that that was their thing. They were going to overthrow the Roman government. So he had joined with Jesus believing that, hey, now we got somebody to lead us. We are going to get free from this. They wanted relief from taxes. 
But what he was bringing was not freedom from taxes, but freedom from wrath. For the Bible says that as sinful men, we are actually in a position of being an enemy to God until Jesus came and made that right or, or uh, redeemed us. So, you know, somewhere they're, they're looking at this, this thing wrong. And because of that, you know, I, I said pay attention to that one phrase there. As they're talking there, they said, we had hoped. Okay, can you see that? Can you see them walking along the road? We had hoped. Now imagine these guys who'd been following Jesus and all of a sudden, man, it's gone. He's dead. Okay, we, th we thought this guy was going to be the answer. He thought we were going to set hit. He was going to set us free. He was going to defeat the Romans. We had hoped. We believed that. And now look, look where we are. Have you ever been disappointed with what God is doing? Okay. Let me be honest. I had hoped. Okay. Uh, even when we were singing that song, I know you'll do it again, but, but sometimes, you know, you're looking and you're saying, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> when is this going to happen? I'd kind of hoped this would turn out differently. I'd hoped there was healing in the forecast for that. I hoped this, this had changed. And, and somehow, you know, I, I had these expectations that I feel like God disappointed me on. Maybe I never want to say that out loud. But how important it is then that we understand what it is that is God's priority in this. Okay, again, because these men are confused. They're, they're, they want victory over this political power, and he wants to give them victory in the spiritual realm over sin and over death. A few weeks ago, we looked at Acts chapter 17, where Paul preached, and he just explained to people who God was. And uh, you might remember a little bit, he said in there that God is the creator, that, so we knew that God is self-existent, and that, that God is... Uh, relies on no man we knew that God was uh, self-reliant and we found out some awesome things about God throughout the story one of the things that uh, that also comes uh, from this sermon that Paul preached is that God is sovereign you say, see there it says he made from one every I'm sorry one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth having determined God determined the allotted periods how long they're going to live the boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God well, let me stop for just a second here, okay? God is sovereign. He's the one who determines. He is large and in charge. He's the one who says, hey, uh, this is where you're going to live. This is how long you're going to live. He's the one that's in charge. Why? But look at that word there again, right in, right in the middle of that. Here's why. That they should, what? Seek God. And perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he is not far from each one of us. Okay? God is working God is sovereignly controlling the universe why that we should seek God I listened to testimony of uh, Francis Chan this week and I, I have I don't remember ever hearing this before his story but if you don't know he's he's a rather a famous preacher but uh, he said that uh, his mother died in childbirth when he was born and uh, then he said his father remarried and his stepmother died when he was like four years old. I, th I believe in a car crash. And then he said some, you know, when he was nine or so, his dad died. And he said, this is no way the route that I had taken, the course that I wanted my life to go on. But he said, now I look and in everything I see how God was working to uh, get me to the place where I was seeking him. 
And I really want to encourage you to think about that this morning. If your uh, small groups this week are going to be challenged to look at their story as far as what God has used in your life, how God in His sovereign, so sovereignty has controlled the areas of your life to bring you to the place where you are seeking Him. What has He done to put me in the place where I realize that I needed Him, where I turned to Him? How has He done that? You know, what is my story? You know, Pastor James up here, he said, hey, one of the main things we want to help you do each week is, uh, is get that connection to God. Understand how, I don't know how to say this, how big a deal that is to God. We, we sing that one song around here about um, uh, what a beautiful name it is. And there's a line in there that said, God did not want heaven without us. Okay, that line is not saying heaven wasn't complete or God needed us or God, you know, heaven wasn't filled, but but realistically here's what God did God left heaven to come down and make it so we can be right with him I don't understand that but God did that God wants us connected to him this is a theme throughout scripture that relationship is such a big deal to God and we don't want to be like these fellows that are walking down the road and uh, <laughs> Jesus is there and they're missing him they don't even spot them yet. You know, we, we want to be, you know, aware that, hey, this is what God wants me connected to Him. Okay? So the first thing I want us to make sure that we see in here is His priorities. The second thing, not only are we to... Sorry. That is not... Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, but we are to be submerged in His Word. When he talked to these men, okay, uh, one of the first thing he, he does is he goes back and he says, okay, now wait, wait a minute, uh, you missed some things in the scriptures here. I'm going to explain them to you. Remember, he says, oh, you're, you've been kind of foolish here. There's all these prophecies about me, and, and didn't you understand that uh, I had to come and lay down my life and, you know, and do this and, and then go to glory? Didn't you, didn't you understand all this? You missed all this in the scriptures. And if we are going to, have a little grasp of what God wants to accomplish in our life. And if we are going to learn to trust Him, this sounds overly simple, but we have got to be connected to the Word of God. Okay? We've got to get that. I um, am not saying that the Bible is magic and you open it up and it's just, you know, right, right away it's automatically going to change your life. But so much throughout Scripture points to that idea that if I am going to be connected to Him, this is going to be part of my life, the Word of God. Whether it is in this form, whether it is in this form, um, you know, can I say this? Get an app. Get an app. Get a daily Bible reading app if that's where you need to start. And, and that would be a great place to start, actually. And it just gives you some of the Scripture each day that you begin to read and get into God's Word. Uh, get a book if that's, if that's what you want that helps you guide you in a daily walk in God's Word. Or just open up the Bible and start to read. Maybe in the book of John would be a great place to start. But if we are going to trust Him, part of that is going to be our connection to this book. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by, by the Word of God. And Jesus said, hey, wait a minute, you guys have missed something here. And we're going to have to submerge into the Word of God. A third thing that I believe that we have to do is synchronize with his people what I mean by that is that God uses the fam his family God uses other Christians to build our faith okay now these men uh, 
had originally been with the believers there. Now they're off on the road. They're taking this little journey down the road. After they meet with Jesus at the end of the story we read, where they, they're headed back to the believers. You know, they're going to connect with him again. This is going to uh, strengthen their faith being around believers. When uh, my wife and I were first married, we were in, a, I think this is, this will help you understand. We were in what would be called a very legalistic setup. Um, we, there, there's a verse in the Bible in, in the book of Hebrews that says we should forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. And we understood that. This is how we were taught it and everything like that. To basically mean you can never miss church. Okay, and we, you can laugh at me if you want, but we used to, like, if we were on vacation, uh, we were legalistic about the idea that, hey, if there's a church service going on, we had to find it. And, you know, you didn't have your cell phone then either, so you had to <laughs> look up ahead of time and figure out what church you're going to and disrupt vacation and make sure you're sitting in church. Now, we still do church on vacation most of the time, but it's just because I want to. I like to visit different churches. But back then, it was kind of like, can't, can't miss church, no matter what, you know, you, you got to be there. I don't think the Bible is, is teaching that. And you will notice around here that I, you know, if you say to me, hey, we're going to be gone next week. You guys do, actually. We're going camping next week. I never say, well, make sure you're in church. Yeah, well, camp is more important than church, right? You'd rather have a hot dog than you. Bob's like, yeah, I really like camping. But, uh, you know, you, you notice I don't really uh, you know, get on. If you say, hey, we're going to miss or, or whatever like that, I'm like, can't ever miss. But, but do not miss what the Scripture teaches there. We need the body. Okay, the Bible talks about the group of believers as being the body and says that, you know, if a, if a part of the body is out there trying to, you know, make it on its own, it's not going to make it. It's not going to work. We need each other. We need a connection. If, we do, if we're not in a small group, then we need in our life the things this small group would provide, which is that connection to believers because they are there to help us grow in faith. Before I get to the last point that fits in your outline, uh, there's one other thing that I, I just wanted to mention here. As I was reading this story again last night, and I saw you know, the, the place where these disciples that are here with, with Jesus, their eyes are opened. I thought a couple of things. They watched him breaking bread, and that's when they, they recognized him and you know, who he was and everything like that. But it is also uh, they invited him to stay. They invited him to, to and, and Jesus did this to reveal himself to them. And I, I just got thinking just in a real practical little step from that is, again, how often, uh, you know, we are charging through life on our own. And just to take, you know, make it a, a habit of each morning to say, hey, God, I need you today. Uh, I need, I don't want to walk through this day without you. I want to invite you to go with me. I want, you to, I want to invite you to stay with me throughout the day. You know, just again so that I am recognizing his presence in our life, how valuable that, it, that is. But as we summarize everything and, you know, just look to this idea of the greatness of our God, the biggest issue is that we are submitting to his authority. To simply say, he is God and I am not. In the book of Luke, chapter 46, Jesus asked this question. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I tell you? He <laughs> says, that doesn't really make sense. You want to call me prophet and ignore me? That'd be one thing. You want to call me teacher and ignore me? That'd be another thing. But why would you call me Lord? Lord says that you submit. Lord says I, I'm in charge. And I think, you know, as we look at this, you know, in my life, I think, yeah, I know that God has perfect knowledge. I know that he has the power to do what is, is right. I know that his timing is perfect. I know he is infinite and so far beyond my ability to understand him. Why then do I not simply 
Let him drive. <laughs> Let him take, take charge. And again, I think many times it is my will. I, uh, I have in my, the front of my journal, there's a phrase that I transfer every time I start a new journal so that it's there and I keep going back and looking at it. And it's actually a note that, I, uh, that I've written from God to me. It says, Dear Dan, today I'll be God, you be Dan. Things work better like that. And, uh, you know, I, and I need that reminder over and over in my life because I grab the reins and I, I you know, I, again, I, I want to lead. I want to be in charge. I have a friend that um, for years I, I ministered with him. I worked with him um, at a very young age. Uh, in his, when he was in his 20s, he had two very small children. His wife was stricken with uh, rheumatoid arthritis that was incredibly severe. I mean, the type that uh, debilitating. I mean, she... Uh, it would be like, you know, a couple of times a year, hey, she's feeling well enough to get out, you know, and it was kind of exciting to see her. And, uh, and she lived like that for, uh, I think, about two and a half decades. And there was a time towards the end of it where we were just talking, and I said, Mark, I said, do you, uh, I'm just curious, I said, do you, you do, do you still ask for healing? He said this, he said, I begin every day asking for healing. And he, he made this statement. He said, God's going to do what God's going to do. But each day, I ask for healing. But the tone in his voice wasn't, God's going to do what God's going to do. It was, God's going to do what God's going to do. And if you knew him, and if you knew her, to watch them trust God as they walked through that, not understanding what was going on, not having the plan worked out the way they would desire it, probably being a little confused about what was God god was doing but still to say i am going to surrender i am going to trust him if you know this would you repeat it with me or, or quote it with me our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven that's not uh it's not wrong to repeat that prayer, but when Jesus gave it, it wasn't like saying, say these exact words, but he was teaching us how to pray. And he started saying, hey, let's stop. And that's what we really try to do. I, you know, what are, we, what are we after here as far as church goes, you know, in the worship time? That's what we really try to do. I know I've talked to Jeremy and Adam, David, and those who work with him. I know that's what we want to do. We want to, we want to just lift him up. Hallowed be your name, your greatness. Recognize that and see that, who he is. And then we want to, when we recognize his greatness, bow. Thy will be done. There's where it is. I thought um, maybe a good, I, I wanted to give us a little bit of time to reflect a little bit just as we come to a close of the series. So I'm going to play a little song for you just to give us some time to, to sit quietly and really if you want to sing along a little bit you can but just to really reflect on the idea of God's sovereignty
the Apostle Paul preached, he said, God is sovereign. He's the one who sits where men live and how long they live and everything like that. He's large and in charge. And the reason why he's moving things around is that bring us to a place where we seek him. Can I, can I ask you to think about what God has done and what he is doing in your life to bring you close to him? What is he doing to t- maybe to say, hey, uh, I don't know that God starts his sentences like that, but, but that uh, you need forgiveness. You're, you're not right with me, okay? You, you need, I sent my son, and I said, believe in him. And, and upon believing in him, I, and you trust him for forgiveness of sin, I want to restore a relationship with you. I want you close. What is he doing in your life now? Uh, maybe it, it's a direction even here this day that you'd be here. What is he doing to draw you close to him? I don't think I can jump up and down and get excited enough or mention enough how much that is a priority to God that you are connected to him. You know, <laughs> this church rebels up, falls away, his kingdom still, still stands. God is still in the business of loving people and saving people and bringing to himself, uh, caring about people. What's he doing? What's he doing right now to bring you close to him? I hope we'll surrender to what he is doing. Father, um, please take, <laughs> Lord, I'm sorry, the phrase in my head right now is an old sports thing, fumbling, bumbling, and stumbling. And I feel like I've done a lot of that today. I feel like, you know, uh, you know, I've had a hard time sometimes overpressing the little button that moves the slides and saying the wrong thing. Would you please take that and kind of get it out of the way? And would your spirit please just show us um, how you are powerfully working on our relationship to you and to bring us to a place of surrender? Would, would you just do that, Lord? Would you, would you yeah, <laughs> overcome my weaknesses? And, uh, and take this message today and apply it to our hearts, I pray in your name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.